Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's reading is from Leviticus chapter 10. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before Yahweh, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from before Yahweh and consumed them, and they died before Yahweh. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what Yahweh has said, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Aaron, Moses said to Aaron, and to Eleazar, and Ithamar his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon all the congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that Yahweh has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of Yahweh is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And Yahweh spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute for forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that Yahweh has spoken to them by Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his surviving sons, Take the grain offering that is left of Yahweh's food offerings, and eat it unleavened beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place, because it is your due and your son's due, from Yahweh's food offerings, for so I am commanded. But the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you. For they are given as your due and your son's due, from the sacrifices of the peace offerings, of the people of Israel. The thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved, they shall bring with the food offerings of the fat pieces to wave for a wave offering before Yahweh, and it shall be your sons and your sons with you as a dew forever, as Yahweh has commanded. Now Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary, since it is a thing most holy, and has been given to you that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before Yahweh? Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary. You certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before Yahweh, and yet such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would Yahweh have approved? And when Moses heard that, he approved. This is the word of the Lord. Now, contextually, it is important to note that we are still in the act of the consecration, the ordination of the priests. And their their number is not large, right? You have Aaron, 
who's being ordained as the high priest. You have his four sons, all of them are named in this chapter for us, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar, and they've gone through the week-long process. And now on the eighth day, that's when the offerings that we read about in chapter 9 occurred, and chapter 10 is the same thing. We're still on that eighth day. This all occurs mid-sacrifice, this event does. So, I mean, it starts with the death of two of Aaron's sons. So Israel was going to have these five men as their priests. And as time goes on, you know, as these men have sons of their own, the priesthood will expand too. But for now, it's just this group. And so they've lost two out of their five priests. Just like that. They took their censers, so bowls with which they would hold uh, coals or such things, and they created a fire of their own. They created an offering, a sacrifice of their own that was not one that God had instructed them to do. And this is something where, honestly, this one of the things we should do with this text is talk about our own worship today. Does this have anything to say to us about worship? Perhaps the way to phrase the question to your children, can we worship God however we want? The answer to that really is no. There are parameters, there are, there are expectations about worship that we, we have and that the scriptures provide to us as well. And it's not just a free-for-all. We have a holy God. And our worship of the, this holy God should be holy as well. We should take care of the things that we use in worship. Um, we shouldn't just use the, the regular common things. We should use things that are set apart. The early house churches, after the time of Jesus and the time of the apostles, they would meet in homes. But the people who could who had the larger homes and could afford to have these people meet there, uh, they treated that space as holy. They didn't just go on and use that for recreation after everyone went home. They left that room set apart for just that purpose. This is a... Uh, it's not a law for us today. We live in the freedom of the gospel, but at the same time, how we worship it shows how we how we really believe in our Lord. If there's not a holiness to it, if there's not a set-apartness to it, if it looks like what the world does, then we might not be worshiping God. We might be worshiping ourselves, which is what ends up being the problem with Nadab and Abihu. So because of what I just said, I'm not going to get into specifics about you must do this, you must do that, you must worship on this day, or you must do... I'm not going to make those rules. Just be holy. Let your worship be holy. Let it be focused on God. Let it be reverent, respectful, um, showing that we are not our own. We have been bought by a price, the price of Christ's own blood. So Nadab and Abihu tried to do whatever they wanted, and the Lord strikes them down for it. Difficult here for Aaron, as we see verse 3 at the end, Aaron held his peace. His sons were just killed. 
but they were killed by God in God's divine judgment. And this is another thing you can ask your children about today. Is God's judgment good or bad? Like if God judges me and says he's going to take me into heaven, we'd look at that as a good thing. But if God judges me and says I'm going to go to hell, is that judgment of God good or bad? Actually, the judgment of God there would be good. It would be just. It would be right. It wouldn't be good for me, um, per se. Not at all. But the judgment of God is just. And this is a struggle for many Christians in the church today. Essentially, look at Nadab and Abihu here as unbelievers. Um, Substitute that idea out. So it's a reality for many that their, their children or their other loved ones are not a part of the church. And yet when you come to the day of judgment and you stand before the Lord and the Lord welcomes you into his kingdom, but he sends those that you love away, On that day, you will see it as good. You will praise God that the enemies of the cross that would seek to destroy your faith even then, even in a paradise, you'll rejoice that those aren't there, that the Lord has protected you, that he has held you safely against the devil and the attack of those who would seek to destroy. It's not the way we think in this life and in this world. It is a hard, hard truth to accept. And I pray for your family as you listen to this, that the Lord would have mercy upon you and that the Lord would grant faith to those in your household who do not have it. But the Lord's judgment is still just and it is still good. It would appear with how Moses responds to Aaron in verse 3, this is what Yahweh said, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. So near me, that's the priest, right? And sanctification is holiness. So God is to be treated as holy by his priests. Before all the people, I will be glorified. So the things that the priests are to do are to help the people see God. To glorify something is to lift it up that it may be seen. So lift up Jesus. That's what the church does today. Lift high the cross, that hymn that we have. Here, the priest's job is to lift up God. And instead, Nadab and Abihu have gone off and done their own thing. They were, in a sense, seeking their own glory. Almost coming before God saying, Hey, God, look at what we can do. Isn't this great that we're offering you this other thing? Glorify us, Lord, for how great we are. Moses ends up calling their cousins, so Uziel, uncle of Aaron, uh, his sons, Mishael and Elzaphan, and they carry these brothers away because the others still can't leave, right? We're not done, fully done with the ordination process yet. Aaron and Eleazar and Ithamar must remain there. So family comes and takes care of removing Nadab and Abihu from the camp. I mean, they're... They're dead bodies. They're unclean. um, And that should not remain before the Lord. Difficult thing. Uh, Verse 6. Moses commands Aaron, Eleazar, and Ithamar not to mourn. Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose. Remember that they just had caps put on. So the sons are wearing linen caps while the the high priest, Aaron, is wearing a more, a bit of a fancier 
headwear and includes that golden plate that says holy to Yahweh on it. So they got to keep their caps on. Don't take your caps off. Don't go into grief. Don't go into mourning right now. Do not tear your clothes. That's another symbol of grief. Caiaphas, the high priest, does this, by the way, Matthew 26, verse 65, uh, in the trial of Jesus. Lest you die. So God's punishment would be upon them if they reject his word here. And wrath come upon all the congregation. Why? Because they wouldn't have priests anymore. The priests are interceding. They're offering up these offerings, right? I mean, go back to chapter 9, verse 15. He presented the people's offering. And if the people's offering is not presented, then their sins are not forgiven. The wrath of God comes upon them. The priests have been entered into this priesthood on behalf of, for the sake of the people. And they should keep that in mind here. Keep that at the forefront. Yes, you are hurting. You are grieving the death of your sons. You are grieving the death of your brothers. But you still have work to do. Your life is not your own. Difficult task. The whole house of Israel, let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning. So let let your family grief fall upon your larger family. Let the congregation, let your, let your brothers in Christ share that burden for you. As for you, continue to serve them, right? You are set apart. Do not go outside. You are anointed. And they did it. They trusted. Verse 9 tells them not to drink strong drinks, so in a sense, maybe forbidding the drunkenness of the priests here. They are to distinguish between holy and common, between unclean and clean. That's coming up. I mean, that's going to be in the next five chapters, chapters 11 through 15, laws about cleanliness. That's one of the favorite parts, I think, for most people about the book of Leviticus, right? That was sarcastic, yes. Most people do not like the chapters on cleanliness. Um, They get a little gross, to be straightforward there, but it's God's word. So we'll take a look in the next few days and, and see what we can learn about those things. In the meantime, uh, verse 11 is interesting. You are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes Yahweh has spoken to them by Moses. So in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, I mean, we could say it this way. The church is given to teach the law, and dads are given to teach the gospel. I'm not sure how fair that is. I mean, Deuteronomy 6 places the primary role of passing on the faith on the father. He's supposed to teach his sons the Passover. He's supposed to teach them how God has delivered them from the time in Egypt and slavery. And here, the commands of God are to be taught by the priests. But we also see Deuteronomy 6 would share all of the word of God. So, primary task, dads teach your sons the faith. Teach your children. Churches, help do that. Help dad do his job whatever that may encourage, however you may encourage them. So they are to continue the sacrifice here. That's basically the paragraph starting at 12 and again at 16 are are talking about. We do see in verse 14 something a little different, uh, that the daughters get to eat of the offering, the, the wave offering, the breast and the thigh. That's unique, right? It, it's only been the sons up until this point. So now we have the inclusion of, of daughters, 
we were wondering what do the what do the, the women in the house of the priests get to eat? There will be food for them too. God will provide. And then skipping down to 16, and this is part of what reminds us our context here. Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and it was burned up, and he was angry. So that's the sin offering from chapter 9, verse 15. The people presented their offering. And as a reminder of previous chapters in this whole process, if the priest doesn't do what God gives him to do with the offering, if he doesn't eat it properly or doesn't burn it up properly, the offering is not accepted. And that means that the peoples aren't atoned for. So this is important stuff, right? And this is the people's offering for their sin. And yet, Eleazar and Ithamar, instead of eating it as they had been instructed, they've burned it. So Moses challenges Aaron, well, actually he challenges the sons, and Aaron stands up and speaks, right? He, he offers the idea, basically it seems like fasting and grief. So essentially, Eleazar and Ithamar, they've offered the offering as they were supposed to, but rather than eating it, they went ahead and burned it all because... These things, such things have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering, would Yahweh have approved? In his grief, Aaron is fasting from food. His family is fasting from food. Uh, that's the, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky part. I mean, Moses hears the, the, the case from his brother and he approves of it. But we're not given specifically enough here to tell us exactly what it is that Aaron's argument actually is. Um, my guess, again, is grief and fasting. But that's, a, that's an educated guess here. Um, he, they have refrained from doing what God gave them to do on account of just the, the tragedy that has struck on this day. So it's a difficult chapter. The death of two of Israel's priests. I mean, that's 40% of the priesthood. And yet, yet the Lord is faithful. He continues the priesthood onward. And he continues to use Aaron and his family as part of the kingdom of God. And so we can rejoice that the Lord continued his priesthood. He continued to forgive his people. He continued to expand his mercy upon his church as he does even today. Thankfully, through the blood of Jesus Christ, he always offers his mercy and his grace upon us for all of our sins. And we thank the Lord. Free.